Hey, Dan Talks Nation, it's Dan. Excuse my Lindsay Lohan voice because I have a cold. But uh, this week, and I still had a cold when I interviewed Michael, but this week I'm interviewing Michael Block of the podcast Block Talk, who is a professional drag critique critic. Uh, He has a lot of really interesting insight into drag and also just cut and paste drag for any job in the entire world. And it's pretty much the same pretty much the same thing um i hope you enjoy it all you queens out there and aspiring queens enjoy michael block michael what makes a great drag queen oh god a a great drag queen um i think you need to have confidence you have to be good at what you do and you have to get the crowd on your side Uh uh-huh I mean, you can be a dancing queen, you can be a musical theater queen, you can be a comedy queen, you can be whatever you want to be. You just have to be there having fun and getting the audience to be there with you. Uh-huh. It's basically the same as a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Confidence, know what you're mm-hmm. good at, and get people on your side. Yeah. That's, like, pretty... Because part of the game, because it is, it is, it's a, it's a competition, it's a game of life in a way, because... You have to have an audience not only like you for the first time, they have to like you the second time and the third time and continue to come back and back because that means the bar gets money and then they're happy and you keep your job. What do you think of that interplay between the competition and doing it for fun, quote unquote? Um, As someone who's not a drag queen, it's interesting for me to watch from an outsider's perspective. But it is competition that's not actually like a competition of sorts it 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 happens and people really tear each other down and it sucks to watch uh-huh. but well you can't stop watching you can't no you can't stop watching but in new york when there are so many drag queens some would say it's slightly oversaturated at this point but there are so many drag queens but there are a lot of opportunities some people will cut each other down to get that opportunity and it is very competitive do you know but don't you find the people who are winning are also having the most fun sometimes not not necessarily not always some people are not having fun but they're winning like alaska well alaska's doing great because i mean she's off on her own she's making uh who knows what her booking fee is at this point how much are booking fees for people in the drag race world i mean that could there there are some queens who have a booking fee for a single performance and maybe not even meet and greet that could go up to three thousand one night. One night. Wow. Mm-hmm. And what about a New York... How does a New York queen start, and what do they... Everyone starts in the red, basically, right? Absolutely. Everyone's you start in, in the red for a very long time. How long? Um, I would say you start in the red for a while um, until you get your first gig, and you can at least start being able to take your booking fee, start to live off of the booking fee, and then my advice to all young drag queens, don't touch your tip money. Uh-huh. Don't touch your tip money. Don't put it for your real life. Save it for when you need it for drag. Sit, okay, like in a box under your bed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because you never know when you're going to have, let's say you enter a competition and you need, let's say, $500 for the entire thing. You can't just like pull it out of nowhere. Having Saving that tip money will help you in the long run. How Not ma- everyone listens to me, but it's okay. Wow. How many drag queens are have day jobs? A lot. There are there are there are a significant a lot a uh, few who do have day jobs. Whether it's 
being a bartender or a waiter or working as a barista but there are a lot of a couple of my friends who work nine to fives and they'll only have like two or three gigs a week maybe only do monthlies but they're the ones who are happy and stable <laughs> doing drag as the hobby as opposed to some of these younger queens who are like i want to get out there i want to be seen i want to quit my job and i want to be a full-time drag queen just so i can be on drag race aren't, aren't we in a new age of drag race where drag can become a career where absolutely it used to only sort of be a hobby or it, lifestyle thing it, it was just a hobby it was one of those it was entertainment for for queer people who needed that escape yeah by and for the gays exactly it it, obviously in the history of drag it happened with theater and with shakespeare etc etc but it it became one of those um outlets for queer people to find solace in a safe space and you have these performers who are just living their best lives and then Slowly but surely, it starts to become mainstream. RuPaul becomes this big figure in the 90s. RuPaul gets a TV show, a talk show, and that's a big deal in the 90s, but it's one singular person. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, RuPaul has an idea for a drag competition <laughs> Now it's show. still one singular person. <laughs> well, it's one, well, no, I mean, it, we, we've expanded because like that's we have true. Drag Race, but we have Dragula, and we yes. celebrate Monster Drag, and we have Camp Wanakiki, where we celebrate Camp Drag, mm-hmm. and we were able to have all these outlets for all these young performers who want to be drag queens and they're not just drag queens anymore they become podcast hosts they're models they're actors they get there are so many things for drag artists to do now and i think it's kind of incredible yeah they're part of the cultural landscape Mm -hmm. for sure absolutely do you think what percentage of well what what do you think about longevity i think i'm worried that i was a big fan of who wants to be a millionaire love Uh that show and I remember when ABC... Back when it was... Like, right, with Regis and everything. With Regis and everything. And I remember when ABC was like, this is our cash cow. We are going to do everything we want with it. We're going to make it a five to seven night week event. Uh-huh. When it becomes so present, people are like, I don't need to watch it right now. I don't need to watch it right now. And, and then you get tired of it and you know it's always there. You, who cares anymore? Uh-huh. And there's a reason why... We like to have little breaks and have Drag Race as a yearly thing. Yes. Now it's at least Drag Race proper. We get um, an All Stars in a regular season, and now we have UK. Yeah, and then we have Dragula this se- yeah. this year, and Camp on Kiki. Literally, those three shows were happening all at once. I wasn't covering Camp on Kiki for my podcast, but I was co- I'm covering Dragula and Drag Race UK. Uh-huh. And that's all the, all the content I can actually put out in a week. Uh-huh. And I have a backlog of other things that I can't even post because uh-huh. there's just too much drag right now. I just learned about Dragula today. Really? Isn't that embarrassing? Oh my god, well it's on Netflix. There's three seasons to watch. It's really I can't good. believe there's three seasons. We'll watch it. It's so much fun. It's Drag Race, but darker and like... It's monster drag. Mo- and what is monster drag? Monster would you say drag, drag race is like more... Drag race is what you would see at a typical gay bar at a nightclub mm-hmm. you're going to see someone who is doing female impersonation and living their best life most likely doing uh top 40 hits dancing yes shablamming having fun yes <laughs> dragula celebrates filth horror and glamour through a very very different lens like i don't have you watched any episodes yet no i uh, learned today yeah well so there there are things like part of the show at the end of the episode their elimination is not a lip sync for your life it's i heard an, about this it's an extermination challenge extermination challenge extermination challenge 
Well, I only heard that they have to do things like eat a bucket of um, spiders or something. Well, that's easy. That's one of the easy ones? That's very easy. I heard about the tattoos. Mm-hmm. What, what was that one? They have to like get a tattoo where they leave? They, well, they all have to do it. It's just who does it best and, you know, track record. We can get a whole tangent on They on all that get one. the tattoo? They So, if you're up for elimination on this specific episode, um, three people had to get a tattoo, but what they got was the other contestants pick for them. So... They got some pretty filthy, horrible things. And uh, for this season, for season three, they were all related to previous uh, contestants. Uh-huh. Um, so it's like one of them's like, uh, so what, I fuck my brother? Things like that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And that, again. A, t- a tattoo that says mm-hmm. that? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And they got it done on them? Oh, yeah. Instead of leaving the show? Oh, yeah. That is not worth it to stay on a Netflix show. Um... Yeah, well, some people do it. Isn't there like th- why? Why is someone staying on that show for that? How, what's the prize? Like some money. Like I think this. How much? Twenty five thousand dollars. That is not enough. I you know, can right? get a part time job and make that much money. But this is drag. This is this is the career because getting a tattoo the... that says that word, those words mm-hmm. on it, is not a career. But it leads to it opens doors. It's it ex- lets you, it lets you lets you tour. It lets you do big things and. I mean, there. I mean, I don't want to spoil too much for you, but like, there's, there's, the first episode, uh, the main extermination challenge is jumping out of a plane, well, skydiving. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Well, maybe. I mean, I would do that. Anything that doesn't leave a mark, but the tattoo okay, for okay. some reason I have the and biggest the, problem with. There was one, uh, the season two, I think it was. Um, they had to pierce themselves with, um, yeah, like parent trap style. No, 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 like body modification piercings. Oh my god! Yeah, I know, right? Okay, so this is an interest. This is that's like a weird catharsis, multi-level. And, and there is a this is a whole style of drag. This is like sub sub, mm-hmm. like sub subculture. Yeah. Now, why have you never have you ever done drag? You I must have, have n- got, gotten dressed up. I've never done drag. So, but what does I that have, mean? You've put makeup on. Uh, n- myself, no, I've never put makeup on myself. But for so like, oh, you put I, makeup on other people? No, no, no. I've ne- I, I've never touched makeup in my life. And a wig? You've popped a wig on. I popped. So, for this Dragula podcast that I do, um, I've made my co-host for it like do extermination challenges with it. And this actual, this, this very last one, I told them their extermination challenge was they had to paint each other at the same time in fifteen minutes. Uh-huh. And they said we'll only do that if we get to b- both paint you uh, at the same time in fifteen minutes. We each get a side. Uh-huh. So I was like. Fine. Uh-huh. Um, I'll be going record and say it was one of the ugliest things I've ever seen in drag because again, fifteen minutes. And I know both of them; they could have done better, but they also were like, "Well, fuck you! I'm gonna make this bad uh-huh. on purpose." But no, I I have really have no aspirations to do to do drag. Do you have the urge? The only urge that I have to do drag is because the they're yeah no uh no because working in in the industry the way i do there are people who will say that i'm not an equal and i and there are people who want to just see me drag do it for a night just so i have the experience to do it and i can say well fuck you when i'm judging you in a competition uh-huh. that would be my only reason but i want to make sure i'm doing it for the right reason is that they say you're not they're equal mm-hmm. like you don't actually do this girl they either see me as a step above as like a producer uh-huh. or a step below as just an audience member. I'm not an equal as a drag queen. I'm not part I'm not a sister. Where do you see yourself in relationship to drag queens? I mean, I think I am an equal. I think we're all doing this together. We're all trying to do the, the gig. Yeah. But I'm just the one that has 
the chance to put on a show. Yeah. But for some people, it's 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 a little different. So you produce drag performances. I do. Drag shows. I do. And competitions. I do. That is like dance moms, but with 22-year-olds, and they haven't done this before, and they're do they not show up on time, etc.? I mean, so this season, so I uh, produced the show Iconic at Icon. Right. Um, we're in our third season. We're a week away from our finale. And this season, we said part of this scoring system is you have 10 points each week that get get allotted to, did you send your tracking on time? Did you show up on time? Did you talk to the mentors, et cetera, et cetera? Because we also want to instill professionalism. Yeah. Because we don't want to be like, well, we created this winner, but this winner is not going to be good in the real world because they show up late, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And that's, again, part of the game is we need to always remember... if. if Drag is a job, uh-huh. and just like any other job, if you show up late, you can get fired. That's so funny that drag is a jo- it is a job, it's but it's a also- job. Well, I guess it's it becomes a job when the venue when there's a venue like Absolutely. when there's a club and it's a situation and there are numbers and yep. it's a time you go on. Even though there is drag queen time, which is like an hour later. Absolutely, it's like a full forty eight minutes. Yeah, later. I mean we like we try our best to start our show at eight o'clock. And why does it not ever? Because <laughs> and I'm not talking about your show. I'm talking about drag shows. Because part of the nightlife culture is you want to get people lubricated in a sense to drink. And yes. when you start drinking and there's not a show yet, well, I'll get one more and then the right. show will start. Right, right. And then you get one more. And okay, the show's starting. Let's right. all have a fun time. You drink, drink more and drink yes. more. Yes. It's, it's a psychological thing. How many shows, or like how long have you produced drag shows? So I've been producing, I guess the first one I ever did was a birthday show um, in 2017, I guess. In January 2017, I was like, you know what, for my birthday, I want to have a little uh, birthday show. I had 10 drag friends um, uh, perform a number each, and we also opened it up to be a mini roast, which was a big mistake. Uh Um, (laughs) For your birthday. For my birthday. Uh Uh-huh, that's fine. And, like, read me all you want, but, like, for me, when it comes to a birthday roast, and I've also experienced this recently myself, if you're not on the bill... You're off limits. You don't get to be made fun of. And oh. I had been just having some issues with one of my friends who was a drag queen and wasn't part of my birthday show, but... You intentionally did not invite that person. Because we were not talking. Yeah. But they decided that was their moment to be like, oh. my friend again. And I was like, oh no, oh okay. no. And someone made a read about them through me. <laughs> did not go over well. Okay. was not good. Did, so not, was, did not happen. That was the last roast that you did. That was the, the last roast that <laughs> I did. But uh-huh. recently, um, uh, someone had a birthday show, which was a roast as well. And How often do people do this? A birthday show with oh, 10 dragons? Really? Time. Yeah, it, it's, it's a fun thing. They like choose their drag... You pay them all? Um, I mean, not... You, or you usually provide the venue they're, for they're, them? Yeah, and... yeah, they're tip spots. Uh-huh. Um, but for at this particular show, um, one queen who did not win iconic um decided to read me and i was not supposed to be read and some really bad things it it caused a little bit of a drama but oh wow comedy is hard and yeah wow not fun how do you love um i find the role of a critic so interesting do you and i also i've heard that someone who when you like read the work of a critic you're really just learning more about the critic than you are about the work do you agree with that 
Yes and no. I, I feel, so I am a theater critic. I haven't done it as much recently, but I um, basically, when I was 24, I was bored working as a stage manager for this um, company. I was like, I'm going to start a blog, and I'm going to be like the press help for theater. That lasted like a week. Yeah. didn't happen. Um, so then uh, I had a friend who had a fringe play and was like, we need someone to just write a review. Can you just come and like write something? And at that point, I had never written a review in my entire life. I was like, sure. For me as a critic, I like to actually focus in on the work. I like to make sure that my that I'm I'm using my voice, but the word I is never present in my review. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're my opinions, and you know they're my opinions because you're reading my work. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to be like I hate this. I don't like this. Yeah. That's that's not helping anybody. So if, if I'm going to say this is not working, I'm going to also say. But you can try this. Uh-huh. So I'm giving constructive criticism. But then you have people like at the New York Times who it's self-masturbatory, the shit that they say. Uh-huh. And you're like, this is literally just for them to use big words and say, look at um, the fancy degrees that I have, uh-huh. as opposed to actually trying to help this production. Yeah. But you can also understand once you get to that level, it's like you're, it feels so insular and kind of like... Absolutely. You have to and perform at a certain... Or say those long words. Yeah. That... And, and, and again, when you're working at the New York Times, the readership... For the times, it right. are people who may be a little more well versed. Right. But um, I, I like to be an accessible critic. Do you see yourself as a mentor at all to the queens? Oh, absolutely, you absolutely. Do. I, I, that's my favorite part of it. It is. It's my favorite part. So it's really like a motherly sort of like yeah. nice. Or, well, I wouldn't say nice, but I would say like a constructive criticism. Yeah. Always. I mean, there, there's a reason why I'm a drag daddy to to the the community that's why what everyone uh-huh. calls me do people um come at you in a negative like oh, absolutely how often do you get a queen that is um eager for feedback versus uh not i would say that if you're eager for feedback and you're talking to me about your idea you should be ready for the response uh-huh. otherwise i'm not the kind of person who's going to offer it that uh-huh. i have a couple friends who i know that they'll just say hello and I know that they want me to tell them about the performance last night. Uh-huh. Otherwise, I'm not going to offer it. Uh-huh. Um, but there there are a lot of queens who, especially after they've been doing it for a little bit of time, where they're finally like, okay, I'm ready to hear the things I need to hear so I can get to that next level. Uh-huh. And you've, you've seen a lot of queens. I've, I've seen a lot of queens. How, like in a week, what do you, like, do you see... This You must go so, out at least once a week. I, I try to. Um, this year I haven't gone out as much as I did last year. So last year I did a project for um, the website called Drag365, where my goal was to actually see 365 drag shows in a year. Oh my god. Uh, Fifi O'Hara in reverse. Right? <laughs> I ended with 371. Oh my god. Um, uh, it was a lot. Wow. It was, it was a lot. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was a lot of drag. Um, I saw I went to I couldn't even I would have to pull up the numbers because I just take keep a chart. I was uh-huh. like, I want to keep a chart. I want to see how many times I see certain people. I want to see how many yeah. times I've visited certain venues where I haven't visited. Mm-hmm. Obviously, being in Astoria, it's a little harder for me to get out to Brooklyn right. unless there's a reason for it. Right. But yeah, I, I that doing that project, I would be out nightly. Like what? sometimes I would see three or four shows a night. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And do you have to have the ones with you everywhere? Yes. So you spent some money. I did. And and that's the one thing that I realized this year is like I am allowed to take a step back because I have not only contributed through my patronage, 
I'm, I've contributed because I'm not going to be that person who's going to sit at a drag show and not give a dollar. Right. Like, it's just not... I Morally, I couldn't do that. Right. And everybody should bring some... Yeah, some just give... Every drag queen deserves at least $1 from every audience member. Every, even the bad ones. Even the bad ones. Even the bad ones even deserve a dollar. So if you're seeing a drag show, you need to bring at least five $1 bills. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't, I mean... Well, and, no, and, but nowadays, some you can Venmo. You can Venmo. You can Venmo. That is very freeing for people, I mm-hmm, think. Absolutely. I didn't realize that until Petty Cash told me, like, no, you can totally Venmo. Yeah. Like, oh. Venmo, Venmo is a great option. I personally like to physically give the dollar. Yeah, it's kind of um, not part of the culture. Because I, I'm also at the point where I will scan the room and I know, okay, this room is not tipping yet. Yeah. I need to start the tipping, so I'll get the dollar out and I'll give them the dollar. Yeah. And then the tipping parade yeah. starts to happen. What are the best venues for drag in New York? I mean, I'm obviously going to say Icon. Icon is going to be the place to where everyone's going to want to work soon. Um, because... Especially it's like near what, my house. Yeah, especially what we've done with Iconic. Um, David, one of the co-owners, has a theatrical background, so he puts the time and effort to make that space a drag theater. Mm-hmm. So, like for Iconic, we ha- he last year bought um, four cold sparkler cannons, uh-huh. and we get to have that that moment where like you have the sparks, and everyone who's never seen it before like freaks out, like yeah. wow. Yeah. It's a great venue. It is a good venue. And and especially for queens who want to do a production number, you have the entire stage. Yeah. You have a giant big stage to work on. Most gay clubs are a little stage. Right. Anywhere you go, there's a little stage. Right. You, you go... That's pretty much the only difference between gay bars and straight bars. Gay bars, like, a little more decorated, like, more yeah. lights or rainbow flag, and there's always a little stage. Yeah. I mean, you go down to, like, hardware, you get, like, a little... Little four by six, and that's all yeah. you can. But you know what? Those queens who can do a production number on that, good for you. In- I would be terrified. Industry is a big stage. Industry is a big stage. With that, not the that- best lighting, but good, good stage. I mean, because <laughs> for this project last year, I would also take photos, and the places that I would try to frequent the most are the ones that I can get good photos at. Yeah. The industry, because they're very, very specific with just like white lights. Yeah, you can't really get a good photo with that. Wow. But places like the West End and Icon, where they use theatrical lighting, uh-huh. you get some incredible photos. Do you think the Queens in Brooklyn versus Queens versus Manhattan are actually that different? Or everyone has to work everywhere, so it's like New York Queens or New York Queens? There are differences. Mm-hmm. There are absolutely differences. Or Bronx Queen or Staten Island Queen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, there are some Bronx Queens who are now moving down down would, south. And I would love a Staten Island Queen. Have you ever seen a drag show on Staten Island? I've not. Do you think they're out there? There are. Absolutely. Really? Is there a game? I mean, there must be a game on Staten Island. I'm sure, but, but that is a documentary I would watch. There are. We're in also this age where we are creating spaces for drag. Right. Where you can take a, a restaurant and do bingo there. I mean, right. Sissy Walken has done a couple of bingos out in Staten Island now. Uh-huh. Um, but no, I think there is a bit of a um, difference of the styles of drag and what the audiences expect in certain boroughs. Uh-huh. But there are queens who are able to overlap. Uh-huh. And do shows in the different boroughs. Like Brooklyn is like weird and then Manhattan's like yeah. top forty and then Queens is like Broadway. Top forty weird. Oh yeah. Broadway. I mean, right, we, we'll call we, the actors. We love we love the Broadway. A lot mm-hmm. of actors. But but this that's the same. Like if you want to really like open up what Manhattan drag is, if you're in Hell's Kitchen, you're gonna get that weird dichotomy of Broadway and Top Forty. Yes. You go down to the village, only top forty. Yeah. It's it's really fascinating to watch. What makes a great drag name? You know what? That's hard. Because 
a name is an identity. You want it to reflect who you are as a person. But you also, in, again, this oversaturated drag field, you want to stand out. Yes. Punny names work. Yes. I really love a punny name. There's a reason why one of my good friends has a name that was on a Michael Musto best drag names ever list. When your name is Nicolonoscopy, you remember that. Nicolonoscopy is You good. remember that kind of thing. What do you think of Dina Warrior Princess? Okay. I'm not here for it. It's cute, right? Yeah. That's my idea for me. All right. When are you going to start doing drag? Exactly. I mean, that's... I mean, yeah. I've thought about that probably, like, five, e- five years, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. What's stopping you? Um, that's a good question. We'll save that for when you come on my podcast. Yeah, that's right. We'll save that for your podcast. Well, nothing stop. Well, the thing is, you don't have the urge to. I don't have the urge to. See, I every time I go, I'm like chomping at the bit. Like, so he, the the, the I think it scares me. It scares me. Yeah, I mean, the reality for me is, I don't see myself as a performer. I know that if I mm. were to be a drag queen, there are massive limits. I have tendonitis above my knees. Uh-huh. I'm not going to be dropping down the floor. I can barely get up when I'm on the floor. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, dancing queen, not going to be my thing. <laughs> but, like, I have this the slight urge, because I'm doing a live podcast on Sunday at um, Icon, uh-huh. um, and I'm almost tempted to be like, I'm just going to sing and be like, fuck you all. I can do, I can't perform that way. Uh-huh. I'm not going to do it all the time, but trust me, I can do it. Uh-huh. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily have the time or patience to do drag either it's a lot of time patience I, money I'm oh you're talking if only you knew the things I bought for some drag how much is a wig unstyled <laughs> yes um, unstyled if you get a good shake and go a, well so there are um, also do you think I'm blonde or brunette I don't know yet we'll, we'll figure I it out I, th- I think I, f- I feel like you could get away with both that's what I, that's what I mean anyway. yeah but so there there are some companies where you can get some items um, from ha- some hair from China for like wholesale whatever yes. and if you really do your research you know that those items are also some that like some of these bigger wig companies sell uh-huh. um, so you can get them for like 35 to 40 dollars uh-huh or you can get them from those bigger companies double that yeah yeah but yeah I think some of the cheaper um, wig stylists in the city who are absolutely amazing and I can go on for days of who you should go to maybe the minimum is like 150 for a styled wig uh-huh well styled though for styled yeah and then you upkeep it somehow you put it on a wig head you put it on a shelf and you don't touch it and you you maintain it all the time uh-huh you maintain it well that what does that mean I mean there's a lot that goes into maintaining a wig it, it's either if you depending on the style it's either putting um the netting on top of it, uh-huh. making sure the curls aren't coming out, uh-huh. or just making sure you don't throw it into a suitcase and forget to take it out a week later. Oh my gosh. That's another podcast is wig maintenance. Yeah. Don't you think eye contact is important in the performance? Of- Absolutely. I think there's, because there are some queens that I see who are performing to the back of the room, but like to the mm-hmm. back wall of the room. Yeah. And it's like, girl, like hit yeah. the num- hit the line to an audience member and then like switch them. Like, Absolutely. The playing yeah, and, with eye contact is so part of it. Be, that's that's the thing with it, where you have to own the audience and get the audience on your side. Yeah, is there are obviously depending on the venue, you are able to get in, into the space and be up close and personal with the audience. Right. I there are some queens who, when you give them a dollar, 
they literally can stop their lip sync and mouth thank you and then get right back into the lip sync. Uh-huh. And that to me is like amazing. And I'm like, uh-huh. oh my God, we had a moment. Yes. But there is still a way to connect with a drag queen, whether it's when you give them the dollar and you're maintaining eye contact or even just holding the hand for a slight second. Uh-huh. That is how you can still maintain and win an audience over. Yeah. But you have to have engagement. Have you ever seen someone be start a little nervous and then just stay that nervous throughout? Absolutely. Isn't oh, that absolutely. kind of amazing? It's hard because you're putting yourself out there. You're, you are, but that's that gets more performance already for me when someone's mm-hmm. like kind of failing, but it continues. That's kind yeah. of amazing. Yeah, like a great drag queen is great, but a bad drag queen is amazing. Yes, right. We, we love dumpsters fires. Don't you love a dumpster? Well, not in an exploit. I just the earnestness is what's so mm-hmm. um, endearing and like heartbreaking. There, there's. I think there's also the difference between being a bad drag queen who knows they're bad. And a bad drag queen... That thinks they're great. Who thinks they're great. <laughs> and those are the ones where I will continue watching and sit, like, just picking up popcorn and keeping on eating and yeah. being like, okay, when are you going when, to... When, when are you going to realize this is not working anymore? Right. and Because I think they don't take the connection piece into it. Mm-hmm. I think they think, oh, everyone's looking at me, yeah. or which means I'm doing a good job. Yeah. Or, I, I don't know. I mean, I really can't speak to it because I'm not coming from... It, but as an audience member, the people who are having fun and connecting and putting themselves out there, but if they're not having fun, it's still kind of... Well, and that's that's <laughs> that's the harder thing. Like, Do you... people try dragging? It's like, oh, this was a mistake. Oh, of course. I mean, so suddenly Seymour... Like, uh, you see and... someone do Iconic, and then they're like, I've decided to not pursue drag. We, we haven't had that quite yet. <laughs> uh-huh. um, but suddenly Seymour and Cacophony Daniels, uh, the two of them have had their versions of the debutante show at Albatross. Um, it's either yearly, bi-yearly. The other and... gay bar here in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they will have queens who will do this show, live their fantasy for a night, and be like, thanks, that was great, never again. And then you have queens who started doing that show and are still fucking working. Uh huh. They're still doing it, and you know who they are. Well, they started cold with they that show. They started very cold. And that's wow. the thing. It's like, we have this great community in New York where we have spaces where you can try, you can play. Some of these other cities, they're so small, where it's like, if you're not one of the big ten names you're not going to be working and you literally have to fight your way up to the top. Don't you think that a smaller city would like if you can go come in and be like that girl from New York and Well, I mean there are I have a couple friends who have decided to leave New York, go to other cities. Just be the biggest queen in Toledo or whatever. Yeah, it's happening. I mean, right? I, have, I have one friend Poppy who left New York, moved to uh, San Francisco. She'd getting more work out in San Francisco than she was doing here. Okay, well, that's not a small town. <laughs> it's not a small town, but, like, sh- there, there's something because of the RuPaul mindset where if you're a New York queen, you're automatically better than everybody. And it's weird. <laughs> but at the same time, look at the track record of New York queens on Drag Race. Yeah. We're, we're doing something right here. Yeah. Well, don't you think... Well, the stress of New York, I think, helps when you're in a stressful situation yeah. on a TV show. Or, like, a new situation. But don't you love Southern pageant girls? Absolutely. Pageant queens. That big hair, the big jewels hair, all the way the down. The walking mm-hmm. slowly, the like hip. I still haven't seen a full pageant, like even on video. I've only yeah. seen like little clips of it. But I see the pageant girls on Drag Race, and I'm like, oh, this mm-hmm. is a world. It's a very, very different lifestyle. It's amazing. Yeah. And isn't it funny that we we take off the requirements of like like a real pageant? But we take this thing that's like um, subversive or sort of against the grain, but we just copy and paste mm-hmm. 
all those same sort of requirements and expectations. Yeah. And I mean, again, like these pageants um, were started because drag is female impersonation. So yeah. why not? Like amp it up. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, I mean, most um, born females can't grow hair that big. Yeah. But as a badger queen, triple stack it and you yeah. look it's sensational. Do you like watching? How do you? You must watch like Miss Universe or Miss USA. Not really. You don't? I don't. See, I'm like, ogle, I ogle at that too. Yeah, I don't Because it's the I, same thing, but on a larger scale right. and like straight guys watching. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it was never something I was. Even, actually, I take that back. No straight guys are even watching. No, they're not. They're not. No, I don't know. Like, I, uh, pageantry never like was something that I watched. Like, I used to watch um, Miss America, like, when I was younger because. Yes. Closest just, thing to drag on TV. Right. <laughs> I would watch with my parents sometimes, and it would be one of those things where I'm like, okay, this is interesting. Not really understanding why this person is better than that person, but okay. <laughs> yeah, it great. is hard. Yeah. Um, and now, as being a judge myself, it is hard. And you you get scrutinized for the things that happen. Yeah. Um, and people um, do hate you for things that right. happen. Um, but... Yeah, I don't know. There was no, I've never really identified with that kind of thing. But I'm also the biggest reality TV fanatic you'll ever meet. Yeah. So I love I love a competition. Yeah. Are there Q and A portions of the competitions you run? Yeah. What kind of questions do you ask? Uh, we will ask a whole slew of questions. We'll ask anything from if you had your own show, what would it be called? Uh, what could we expect to see? Live to, show. Yeah, live show. Or we'll ask a question like. How does social media play a role in your drag persona? Or drag? It, 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 it's hard. Ugh. Um, and to questions like, how do you deal with an unruly audience member? Mm-hmm. And these are the things that you have to deal with as a drag performer. Wow. Mm-hmm. And do people, some people have great answers, some people have bad answers. Yeah. And that plays a part into mm-hmm. the whole thing. And like for us, when we do that kind of, that, poor, that mini challenge, um, it's not necessarily about what the specific answer is. Obviously, if you say something outlandish, you're going to get some points knocked off. Yeah. But it's also your ability to maintain control on the mic and also have the audience listen. How do you find people's personas? People, when they get into drag, usually a new persona comes out Absolutely. organically. But there's also like the Laganja Stranja uh, problem of putting on just like you put on a wig you put on a persona also as opposed mm-hmm. to it really coming out from you yeah you find them that the most successful queens are the ones where their persona is part and parcel to who they are as a performer so they don't think how would this character answer this Q- Q&A right. question but they're just in this m- zone yeah. and then they answer it in that zone right it, it, it's it's a very interesting um battle of when the drag queen stop and when that person begins yeah like, going back to my friend Nicole, I for her birthday this past year, I bought her a t-shirt um, that said, don't make me use my drag queen voice. Uh-huh. Because she uses a voice when she is Nicole. Yeah. When she's out of drag, it's a little different. Yeah. But I think you have to embody a little bit of yourself in your character. Right. Or, and, or then it's just not true. Isn't that what it's like at any job, too? If you have Absolutely. to work a counter, you mm-hmm. have to work in, in front of people pretending to be mm-hmm. anyone... Especially if you're working in the service industry, you have to pretend to put that smile on all the time. Yeah. That's why I could never do it. I could never do it. The service industry? Never. Have you never done it? Never done it. Girl, even I've done it. Couldn't do it. I had to Trust be... Trust me, you could. 
I, I mean, if I you could. had to, if I had to, you I could. could. But no, like I, I mean, I was like, I had to do receptionist work for a little bit for one of the theater companies I was working at. Like right. once a week, I had to sit at the desk for like two hours, and it was, it was miserable. <laughs> it was miserable because I was like, one, I'm not trained to know all the answers, right? And two, it's not about knowing the answers; it's about getting the right person right. on the line as soon as possible. And I also like sometimes a little. I can be a very anxious person, and I don't like phone lines. I don't like want it sending that. That freaked me out. I would front desk at a hair salon for like six months. Oh God. Appointments, appointments, mm-hmm, cut mm-hmm. color, 45 then, minutes, like, then 30 minutes right? drive, 30 minutes, oh, it's all very different. Yeah, it, it's too much, but for me, like, <laughs> I, just when, like, the UPS person would come with package, and I'm like, I'm not I don't want to sign No, I don't, I don't want to be doing this, I would rather be back in rehearsal, but this is my requirement as an apprentice for this <laughs> job, fine, whatever. Yeah, maybe not drag for you. No, maybe maybe not. Fat, but you love... Your position where you... Like, I, I do. I I mean, I like to host. Yeah. There's a reason why I have a podcast, and I literally today just released episode 150. Uh-huh. I enjoy hosting and talking to people. Yeah. I, I think that is what a drag queen does sometimes. Yes. With the performance aspect on top of that. Mm-hmm. Because I just don't think I can perform. Not saying like I wouldn't be horrible at it or be great i don't know yeah. i'd have to try it i just don't have that urge to perform yeah if you want to if someone wanted to paint me and let me host something you know what that's a different discussion <laughs> what is the best thing you've seen on stage oh god i i always will go back to Af- during season nine of Drag Race, um, great I, season, great season. Sasha Valore. Sasha was incredible. So I was invited to go as press to uh, Nightgowns. It was the very first one she did since that season started. Nightgowns was the show that mm-hmm. Sasha Valore, the winner of Drag Race season nine, started one yep. woman show, art and installation, then, right, thing. and then turned it into this big thing, and she yes. bring Brooklyn Queens, blah, yes. blah blah blah. So I got to see this the very very first iteration since she had uh, filmed the show and came back, and she. But you don't know she won. No, we did not know yet. Yeah. And at that point, I think it was maybe three or four episodes in. I was like, eh, eh, Sasha's fine. I don't really. She's fine. Yeah. Whatever. She opened the show with a group number um, to uh, Jennifer Hudson's cover of "Carry That Weight," uh-huh. and she's doing this number, emoting more than I've ever seen the drag queen emote. And she has this big projection screen going on with, like, just blue sky clouds. She gets up on this ladder, and then there's an automatic spotlight right in her face. I've seen a video of this. It's It was one of the most <laughs> visceral performances I've ever seen. And being there live watching it, like, the YouTube recording is good. Yeah. Seeing it up close and personal, I cried. I was like, yeah. this is what I want to see. Yeah. In that moment, I was like, if Sasha wins... I understand why. Yeah, and then she did. And she did. Was this in a theater or a club? So this was at uh, National Sawdust in Brooklyn, um, which is like, I guess it's technically a club, um, but they have this big ass stage. and Okay. Yeah. There weren't and, seats. Uh, I mean, they, they put seats in for the uh, oh, okay. the first floor. I was up on the second uh, balcony and uh-huh. watching from there, and it was, it, was just, it was amazing. And that's like the first time I had ever seen Scarlet Envy. Uh-huh. Um, She's underrated, there? right? Very underrated. Yes. Um, I mean, but and that's what's wild about the show Drag Race is it's not necessarily saying who's a good or bad drag queen. Right. It's saying who works in this on this show. On this, this show, 
in this drag setting because right. at the end of the day it's a reality tv program and it's not america's drag race it's rupaul's no, exactly drag race. i mean i on the record people know already whatever i helped honey davenport get ready for um the season like i was part of the team to help things happen and uh-huh. learning all the behind the scenes things was mind-blowing really yeah what's the most mind-blowing about it that you could share the amount of things you have to bring in five suitcases they limit your suitcases? Five suitcases. Oh my god! Because they have to pay for it. And they have a list of the challenges. Yes. But and it's but it literally, title. you get a word. <gasps> you get bare bones. And that's why you see some people do the things they do. You're like, what the fuck are they wearing? They don't get, you don't, you don't get all the info you think you would need. Wow. Yeah. Um, so like I also was like told myself I don't want to know what happens. I'm going to watch the show. I'll still say her fucking elimination was disgusting. It, she was robbed. Honey Davenport? Or yeah. Uh, because of a six-person lip sync? What? That's right, with the black But it didn't the matter because that made good television. It did. It, and she was a casualty of good tele- television. Yeah. But she's doing fine. Yeah. She's doing fine. Her, and Her attitude could get a little better. Sure. I mean, <laughs> she, but she also is the kind of person who has... A fight to fight and yes. is very much making that her mission yeah and using drag as the outlet to do it and i yeah. appreciate people like that that of all the outlets that's a good outlet mm-hmm. i mean we have someone in the city who is part of the city council who's running for another um seat and i think that's incredible i think we need to have more people like that who are using drag as not only a performance outlet but an outlet to bring change to this country we have a city council member who does drag marty gold cummings marty gold cummings mm-hmm. we didn't i didn't just vote for that person did i um no i think i mean i want to but. well right i mean <laughs> she she's running up uh i think in uh upper west side area oh for the okay. moment uh for oh. 2021 is her next big oh, thing that she's running for right now i think wow drag is political too and again wait so um, margaret's a woman who does drag no she, uh, it's, it's a guy who does drag okay but his name is margaret marty Marty. <laughs> Marty. Is his drag name Margaret? No, no, Marty Gold Cummings. And that's... Um, oh, his... wait. Marty Gold Cummings mm-hmm. is the drag name. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And like, I was fully like, Marty Gold Cummings is on the ballot. No, no, no. No. Yeah. No, and I think that's, like, again, pulling it back to Drag Race, you have someone like Dina West this past season who made... Fan favorite. Yeah. She used her voice for a good cause. That was pretty great. And, sure... She got the biker shorts were rough. Sure, yeah, she but, got rid of filth many, many times. Yeah. Some of her looks were not the best. It's all right, but <laughs> she got to use her voice and bring awareness and remind people why she's made millions of dollars for the city of Columbus and all the organizations there. Right? Have you ever seen drag have a negative impact on anything? Not really. I mean, I've seen. Like, beyond catty drama, is there really any bad that comes from it? I feel like there can't be. Not necessarily. I mean, the only... I feel like any time a man's in a wig, it's a good day. (laughs) Yeah, no, the only negative is when other people make it negative. I mean, because you have these stories in all these cities about Drag Queen Story Hour and all these people protesting it. These they're just reading a book to a child about yeah. acceptance. Yes. What is so scary about that? And yeah. it's and it's ignorance and, and uh a fear. Yeah. But it happens and that's that's the most negative that I can see happening in yeah. drag. But in and of itself, there's not there's nothing harmful about it. No, but aside from caddy We're talking entertainment, we're talking right. catharsis, we're talking fun, we're mm-hmm. talking irreverence. Yeah. That's a word, right? Yeah. Um what is the biggest uh 
like kind of failure that you remember. You don't have to name names, but something that was like I mean, epically horrible. I mean, I've seen my fair share of Reveal Gone Bad. Oh, I've seen my fair share of Wig Fly Off. Oh, I, I've seen to bald my, head or messy hair. Yeah, I, I've seen my fair share of falls. Uh-huh. Um, so one doesn't stand out. Not really. What makes what can someone do to turn that around? Own it. Uh-huh. Own it. You know something didn't work. Own it. Acknowledge it. Move on. Uh-huh. Like put the, pop the wig back on. Absolutely. Or throw it away and be or like, like mess your hair up this more. This is what I'm wearing for the next thirty seconds. If that's how long the song is. Yeah. Own it, and that's part of the performance, and that's what knowing how to be a good performer is. Yeah. Make it work, designers. Make it work. Mm-hmm. What is the thing that drag can teach all of us? I think drag can teach us that. It is possible to be a community. I will very much say that our drag community is sometimes not a community at all because of how catty and competitive and nasty people can get. I've experienced it myself. But at the, at the core of it, we're all in it together trying to fight for the same thing. And community is important. You need, you need your allies. And that thing we're fighting for is what? I think we're fighting for acceptance by all and just having a good time and having a good time and and just realizing drag is art and art is entertainment and art is fun and we have this much time on this earth exactly why not exactly and and that's again going back to the styles of drag there are a lot of political queens who are able to turn their political ideas into an artistic piece Mm -hmm. and that makes a really fun drag queen there's a drag queen in brooklyn named junior mint who she'll give you like mariah carey and then throw in some political thing and slap you right in the face with it then get back into happy fun mariah carey and you're like yeah yeah Yeah. this makes sense this is this is how you can tie the two together right which is also how life kind of works too. yeah absolutely you're feeling one way something happens you feel another way and this that the other someone on the street someone calls you something happens yeah it's all it's all about learning how to roll with the punch absolutely and what you do when the wig flies off Mm -hmm. and what you do when the moment's not working and the bar says the sales aren't good enough and you lose your job you can't give up you have to say this didn't work let's fight for the next one yeah so I've had a lot of friends lose gigs because of bar sales, but they're the queens who are able to t- separate the two are the ones who will succeed in the end. Mm-hmm. Separate the two meaning? Meaning, this is my gig as opposed to this is the gig that I was hired for. Uh-huh. It's all about finding what your gig is. Mm-hmm. Thanks for coming on the pod. Of right? course, this, this is a pleasure. Wasn't this so fun? So much fun. I, I, <laughs> I, feel I, like I really talked to you forever and ever. I, know, I feel right? like you have dirt. Oh, I have lots of dirt. <laughs>